0: In today's world, there's a lot of fear about cults and understandably so, because in the past we've had more than a few seriously tragic incidents involving them. But this has led to a kind of a collective paranoia, which makes it so that people throw the word cult and cult leader around like a subjective catch-all term. This paranoia has in fact led to people accusing me of being a cult leader and the people who follow my material of being a cult. That's a very serious thing to say. It's something most people don't really understand when they're saying it. And therefore they don't understand the seriousness. Now, for this reason, I want to address this fear that people have, I want to address these accusations head-on, so that I can hopefully put some of your fears to rest. The fact that the word cult has become such a subjective catch-all term makes having a rational conversation around cults pretty difficult. Now, cult originally was not a derogatory term. It didn't actually have any negative connotations. But, like with a lot of language, it does today. Cult used to be simply a word that was used to describe a group of religious people. In the 1900s, it became a term to describe a group of people who demonstrated excessive religious devotion. Now, it's a derogatory term used as an attacking ad hominem to discredit invalidate and dehumanize spiritual or religious groups. People use the word loosely and flippantly as an insult, not knowing just how serious an accusation this really is. In today's world, if all it takes to be a cult leader is to have a devoted following on social media and therefore lots of influence on public opinion, then every celebrity could be accused of being one. When most people are using the term cult or cult leader, they're not actually working with a solid definition or even a solid list of criteria. Instead, they're using feeling or association. This is very slippery territory. And this slippery territory, we found out during the witch trials. Back then we found out just how dangerous it was when we didn't have proof, only accusations. As we know from back then, the feelings and associations that made someone convinced that a person was a witch were usually not based on anything other than a person's own insecurities. For example, Let's say a male judge was threatened by the idea of a female in power, he would condemn a woman as a witch when she tried to change the law regarding inheritance and land tenure. We have to be very, very careful that this paranoia that we feel towards cults and cult leaders does not turn into a modern day witch hunt. For this reason, for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to use an established and widely accepted list of criteria for cults as the basis of our conversation. The first thing to understand, before I go any further, I am a personal transformation revolutionary. I am not a cult leader. Teal Tribe is a shared personal growth community based on the information and the material that I create. Teal Tribe is not a cult. Two PhDs, Yanya Lalich and Michael D. Lanagon, in association with the ICSA, created a cult checklist a way to tell if a group is in fact a cult or not. I'm gonna focus on their assessment for the sake of this discussion. The following list is a collection of behavioral patterns that are commonly found in cultic environments. 1. The group displays excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader, and whether he is alive or dead, regards his belief system, ideology and practices as law. I ask that people have unwavering commitment to themselves and part of this, which is a cornerstone of everything that I teach, is in fact questioning. Unless you're questioning things, including yourself, most especially yourself, and the things that you're learning, there's no way to find out what is true for you personally, and so there's no way to actually build a life for yourself that is in alignment with your authentic truth. On top of this, I offer my perspectives as perspectives, not as law. 2. Questioning, doubt and dissent are discouraged or even punished. I encourage questioning. Questioning is in fact, what I'm all about. My series, Ask Teal, is all about questioning. (laughs) Me on stage, it's all about questioning. On top of this, I find doubt actually to be quite healthy. Doubt is gonna be the basis for personal expansion. Doubt is a necessary condition for finding one's personal truth. Dissent does not lead to punishment. There are people who are perfectly welcome in this group that I have of people who follow my material, even if their opinion differs from mine. And if you spend time in my forums long enough, you'll see that this is the case. Oftentimes, there is conflicting viewpoints. Now it's my belief that conflicting viewpoints actually leads us to higher truth when we're able to have a constructive conversation about it. 3. Mind-altering practices are used in Access and serve to suppress doubts about the group and its leaders. No consciousness altering states are encouraged by me or used by people who follow my material for the purpose of suppressing. Why? Because suppression is something that I actively teach against. All of the practices, tools and processes which I teach are designed specifically for the opposite of suppression. They are designed specifically to help somebody find things like freedom, peace, clarity, health, and authenticity. 4. The leadership dictates, sometimes in great detail, how members should think, act and feel. For example, members must get permission to date, permission to change jobs, permission to marry, or leaders prescribe what types of clothes to wear, where they can live and can't live, whether or not to have children, and so forth. Like every other person, I have ideas and opinions about what the healthiest thing for people to do and to think is. Like every other spiritual leader, my opinion is in fact, the cornerstone of my entire career. That being said, they are perspectives. That being said, nobody is required or pressured into following what my advice is. It is an offering. It is a decision that people make, whether to pick up what I've said and adopt it or not. If people are trying to force themselves to do something that's not in alignment with their own personal truth or they've got resistance to it, then that's bulldozing, which is another thing that I teach against. So it's not healthy, if somebody's dictating the way something should be, to just go in alignment with that, if it doesn't feel good to you to do. I don't tell people who to date who to marry. They don't need my permission for any of this. I don't tell them what job they can have or not have. I don't tell them whether they can or can't have children. People who are following my material have their own lives to live. They get to make their own decisions. I don't even tell people what their purpose is, even when they ask me. If people ask for my opinion, I will give it to them. I will give it strongly. It is then their decision whether to adopt that opinion, or not. My overall intention, if you follow my material long enough, is for people to really own their own free will and to learn to govern themselves. Feeling like somebody needs permission is an opposition to this concept in the first place. 5. The group is elitist, claiming a special exalted status for itself, its leaders and members. For example, the leader is considered the messiah, a special being, an avatar, or the group and or the leader is on a special mission to save humanity. I think all people alive today, regardless of whether or not they are associated with my material or not, whether they've even heard of me or not, have an incredibly, very, very special role to play in the overall health, well-being and ultimately survival of the human race. Because of this, All people on earth are special because they have this very special role to play in that overall picture of health of human life on earth. I am playing one of these special roles. 6. The group has a polarized us versus them mentality, which may cause conflict in the wider society. I am not alone in recognizing that there are some very important things about society which have to change in order for human life and every other form of life on earth, to be in a state of well-being. I'm dedicated to making these changes. I want people to make these changes. If there isn't some kind of evolution within society and the world itself with each generation, what are we doing here? That being said, an us versus them mentality is the exact opposite of what I teach. Why? Because I teach oneness and I teach integration. Integration is the exact opposite of us versus them. My ultimate vision for humanity is that we as people are able to take an integrative, multi-perspective approach to all of the problems within society. 7. The leader is not accountable to any authorities. Unlike, for example, teachers, military commanders or ministers. In coming to deeply understand people's fear around cults, and religions actually, I've actually found out that it is this point that creates perhaps the most amount of fear in the human mind. The idea of checks and balances makes people feel safe. When people feel they have less power than someone else, they immediately imagine that their only way of ensuring safety relative to that person, is to know that someone else or multiple people with equal or greater power can reduce that person's power or take it away entirely. Everyone is accountable to something or someone who could be seen as having more authority in a situation than they do. That includes me. I'm not exempt from the law. Contrary to what most people would imagine, I don't consider myself the ultimate authority. And interestingly enough, I base a lot of authority, in any given situation, on excellence any time that somebody has a high degree of excellence in an area, technically they have more power than other people in that area. So, let's say in my own company for example, let's say that I have a COO who is always, no matter how hard I ever try, going to be better at accounting, then when it comes to accounting, he's gonna hold the authority about accounting. If I walk into a room with a surgeon, it's not me that's gonna have control over what happens in that room, it's the surgeon. What I think is important, is that people really own the authority they do have and recognize where they don't have the authority. 8. The group teaches or implies that it's supposedly exalted ends justify whatever means it deems necessary. This may result in members participating in behaviors or activities they would have considered reprehensible or unethical before joining the group. For example, lying to family and friends or collecting money for bogus charities. If somebody feels like something they are doing is reprehensible or unethical, or out of alignment with who they are, they shouldn't do it. That is a personal message from your own guidance system saying this is a no for you. No ends justify a loss of personal integrity. None whatsoever. I find this particular item on this list of criteria ironic. Because it is the fact that I encourage honesty with one's family and friends that causes so much of the conflict between people and their family and friends. (laughs) My ultimate goal is to help people to really get in touch with what their personal truth is. If their personal truth is, I don't want to even be spiritual, I don't even care about it, I'm just doing it to try to fix myself, I just want to go be a car mechanic, I'm going to help that person make that decision. Here's where things go a little bit haywire. When somebody starts to find their own authenticity, they start to recognize the places in their life where they're not being authentic because they're afraid that doing so would cause them to lose relationships. Right? So like let's say you've got mom or dad really wants the kid to be a tennis player. They find that their authenticity is really not to be a tennis player. How do you think mom and dad's gonna feel? If it's an enmeshed and unhealthy dynamic in a relationship, mom and dad's going to be super, super angry that that person attended the Teal Swan event and decided they didn't want to do tennis. In fact, instead of accepting that that's the truth of their child, they're going to suddenly have an issue with me. <laughs> Anytime somebody comes into a space of authenticity, it's going to cause a shift in their social systems family systems, friend systems, co working systems. That's because They're interdependent. A change in one causes ripple effect of change in the rest. And I will be honest with you, social systems are highly resistant to change. 9. The leadership induces feelings of shame and or guilt in order to influence and or control members. Often this is done through peer pressure and subtle forms of persuasion. My vision for those who follow my material is that they will be healing and support oriented course, I can't completely control whether or not people who follow my material are going to align with that core intention of mine. It is my intention also, that everyone who follows my material finds their free will and helps other people to find their own. That being said, I do not see how shame or guilt can actually create any positive changes in somebody's life. Because free will is such an important part of my core message, I don't personally condone anybody who is succumbing to peer pressure or using peer pressure as a method of trying to create cohesion in a social group. Guilt and shame are not tools to be used in an authenticity based community. Why? Because those tools are in and of themselves an oppositional force to authenticity. That being said, it is quite common when people have conversations, whether they are in person or take place on a public forum, that when somebody says something, even if it's not to directly shame someone, someone may feel shame because of reading it. So it's very important to clearly distinguish between someone actually shaming you and feeling shame in response to something somebody has said. 10. Subservience to the leader or group requires members to cut ties with family and friends and radically alter the personal goals and activities they had before joining the group. I teach people to question everything, listen to their own internal guidance system, be honest with themselves, become their real authentic self, explore their shadows, set themselves free from fears and own their own life to the degree that they can fully live it. My vision is multi-generational healing. If people who follow my material decide to cut ties with anyone in their life, it is because they themselves have decided that that is the very best thing that they can do for the sake of their own best interests. It will be interesting for those of you to know that even though when somebody makes that decision for themselves, I'm not going to get in the way of that decision, a part of me always feels sad when people make that decision. Why? Because it takes this potential of multi-generational healing or Collective healing, off the table. If you follow my material, you do not have to cut ties with anyone. I'm going to show you the negative patterns that you have with anyone in your life, but it's ultimately your decision whether to maintain those patterns, whether to keep that person in your life, whether or not to, that is completely and totally up to you. It is not a requirement to cut ties with anyone to be following my material. Also, you don't have to radically alter your goals before and after you join up with the group of people who follow my material. There's no reason for this. I want you to be authentic. If it's authentic for you to bake pies all day long, and your ultimate goal is to get some award in pie baking, I'm not going to tell you there's a higher goal to go for. I'm going to continue to encourage you in the direction of your own personal desires and what feels the most authentic to you. You will be asked to reevaluate your life. Because reevaluation and the changes that naturally occur during a spiritual metamorphosis or healing cycle may reveal to you personally that making changes in your life is in alignment with your highest good. I would assume that if you're even listening to my material, you're looking for a life change. But because it's not a requirement in any way, any life changes you make is entirely left up to you, the individual. 11. The group is preoccupied with bringing in new members. In my experience, the people who follow my material, being the people who watch my videos, read my books, attend seminars, or consider themselves members of Teal Tribe, are not preoccupied at all with bringing in new members. If anything, they're a little bit distrustful of doing so. (laughs) What they're preoccupied with is their own healing. Now, if people are sharing my material, which is very different than trying to procure new members, if they're sharing my material, The reason for that is usually because people want validation for what they're doing. They don't want to go on this healing journey by themselves. And also, there's a lot of people in their life, they may think might benefit by what I'm saying, the things I'm teaching, the processes that I'm showing people. We really do need to get that sharing content is very different than attempting to recruit people. On a personal note, I would selfishly hope that the quality of my material would be high enough to inspire people, to subscribe to my channels, to share my material, and to connect with each other. (laughs) There's no need to convert people when something feels good or when something has enough obvious value. 12. The group is preoccupied with making money. My company is a for-profit company. That being said, finances is not the central theme of my career. If it was, I wouldn't be making so much free content. I also wouldn't be giving so much volunteer opportunity and so many scholarships. The people who follow my material do not try to make money for myself or for anybody associated with this, including the Teal Tribe. Because they have their own lives to live. Everyone who's associated with me in any way has their own careers, has their own families, has their own bills to pay. No one is required to give money to be part of anything that I do. A person can decide that they don't want to spend any money on any of it and what they can do is simply watch the free content that I put out every single week. If you actually looked at all the free content I have on the internet, you'd be there for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. Just learning all there is that I've made available. Now, if somebody decides that they want to participate, in one of the events or one of the products that I may offer, it's going to be the same as an evaluation of whether somebody's going to spend money on anything in the marketplace. It's about whether it has enough value to you. And like I said, if somebody really lacks the finances, they're encouraged to contact us to try to work out some way or some arrangement that they can attend, despite feeling like they have a lack of resources. I also have to make it clear that there's no membership fee or tithing that anybody would have to pay to follow my material or to consider themselves a member of Teal Tread. 13. Members are expected to devote inordinate amounts of time to the group and group related activities. No one is required to do anything in this group and I think you would find with the majority of people who follow my material that requiring them to do something would meet with incredible resistance. <laughs> It is completely up to the individual how much time they want to dedicate to anything. And that includes following my material or volunteering for events or anything that they dedicate their time to. That being said, if anybody's considering dedicating their time and effort and energies to something that we're doing like an event, I highly encourage you to look at your expectations and also your limitations and to have an open and candid conversation with any of my team members that might be organizing these events, to make sure that both of you are on the same page about just how much time will be required. Another way of saying this, if you feel called to dedicate your time, but you only feel like you should be dedicating 6 hours of time, but we may have a retreat going where 10 hours of time is the requirement, you're going to start to feel used. So it's good to have that conversation before you get into the situation. 14. Members are encouraged or required to live and or socialize only with other group members. No one is encouraged only to socialize with other group members or people who associate with my material. In fact, I find this incredibly unhealthy. If people choose to primarily connect with other people who resonate with my material, the reason is because that's where they feel the most connected, the most supported, and the most understood. It is my hope that we could create the kind of society that whether people follow my material or not, that a person who does subscribe to my material could go across the street with somebody who doesn't and find the same level of support, the same level of connection, the same level of understanding. 15. The most loyal members, the true believers, feel there can be no life outside the context of the group. They believe there is no other way to be and often fear reprisals to themselves or others, if they leave, or even consider leaving the group. There is life to be found and lived, no matter where you are. Whether that is following my material, considering yourself a part of Teal Tribe, or not. Relative to Teal Tribe, there are guidelines, like there are on any social media platform that serve to support a healthy social environment and they apply to anyone who is aligned with the group and anyone considering leaving. If someone does decide to leave, we would hope that they would do so in a way that is authentic to them and that supports their own highest good at a given time. We also would hope that they would do it in a way that is responsible. A way that is respectful and loving to the rest of the community that is deciding to stay. I don't nor should I have control over how people are going to feel or react to somebody deciding that they're going to no longer follow my material, or no longer be a part of Teal Tribe. That being said, there is absolutely no reprisal, no consequence and no punishment for deciding to leave Teal Tribe. I personally would simply hope that if they did that, they would do it in a way that wasn't a push away, shall we say, to the rest of the people who decide to be in alignment with what the group is doing. To be in alignment with the material that I teach. Also, Teal Tribe is open to people returning. There have been quite a few people who have decided that it's just almost too much for them. And so they want to take a break and then they come back. And then sometimes they take a break again and then they come back. And some people even don't ever come back. But it's still an okay relationship that people in the group may have with them. Abraham Lincoln once said that no man is good enough to govern another man without the other's consent. And then it must be considered that the giving of consent is an act of free will and therefore, the giver of consent is governing himself by giving his power away. If people are worried about being led astray or worried about joining a cult, the problem is really about two things. Lack of self-trust and fear of influence. If people are worried about someone else being led astray or joining a cult, the real issue is that they do not trust that person with themselves and they believe that free will can be taken away. If self-trust and belief in one's own free will did exist, one would trust themselves to keep on the path of what is right for themselves and the world, regardless of other people going astray. The real conversation to be had, which is being highlighted by the topic of cults, is about free will and influence. Therefore, ask yourself, why don't I trust myself? Why am I afraid that I can be influenced into losing my free will? Let this be the real conversation between yourself and those who you think have joined a cult. Why don't you trust them with themselves? Why do you think they can be influenced into losing their free will? The answer to these questions that you will be asking yourself is a good measure of what you actually think of a person. At the end of the day, it's insulting. At the end of the day, I have a genuine interest in you developing discernment for yourself. Decide for yourself. Weigh things in your life against your own personal truth to see whether something is actually right for you or not. And there is nothing that is worth living out of alignment with your own sense of integrity. Power and influence is not bad in and of itself. It is rather like a tool whose use is down to the person wielding it. This is why when it comes to power, right use of power is such an important discussion to be having. And when it comes to influence, the most important thing is the intention behind a person's drive to influence other people. For example, a politician might have the intention to influence people towards a policy because they have personal financial interests that would benefit by the adoption of that policy. On the other hand, they might have the intention of influencing people towards that policy because they believe strongly that is in the best interests of people. I have the intention of influencing people towards their own authenticity, towards their own personal truth, their own personal desires, towards awareness, towards them making better decisions for their relationships and for their lives in general. So that the lives that we are all living on this planet can be even better than they are in the first place. Have a good week.